Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi, and joining me to tackle your questions this evening are David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investments. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. David, good evening to you. We don't know where Wayne is. We think he's forgotten. I mean, yeah, he's only been doing the show for about Let 10 years. Let him it out. Uh, is he here? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just about to enter the room. But uh, starting with you this evening, not a bad day for the markets. Um, and we'll local. get maybe local markets. Um, but a very bad day if you're, I suppose, a crypto aficionado. And I saw your tweets about how you're quite <laughs> grateful that you don't really understand the world of crypto. And so am I at this point. But um, <laughs> is there going to be contagion in the wider market as a result of the, the you know the seeming collapse mm. of of uh, FTX or, or is it going to be yeah. quite localized? Probably, I don't underestimate that a lot of institutions will have some kind of exposure to it. It was very popular. We don't know the extent of the contagion and uh, whether further drops will encourage more selling, but it's likely to have some impact on the market. It's it's big news at the moment. I don't understand it, and I don't even know where to begin on it. And as I said in my tweet, I was dragged into a debate. I was completely outclassed by these very <laughs> clever people who had all their arguments. And all I know from that day, that, that market is down, you know, 60 70%. So if they did get converts, you know, well, good luck to them. But, it's a, you know, for me, it's a market that I will not touch until there's a need for it, until it's regulated. But, but don't underestimate there can be some kind of contagion. Hmm. Um, and Wayne, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this or if you'd rather talk about uh, the US midterm elections and whether <laughs> that's going to have um, a big impact on market because there isn't this um, red wave. Uh, I, I don't quite know what's happened yet to the control of the, the Senate. The, the House of Representatives seems to have gone to the Republicans. I mean, yeah. um, what, the, do you think the outcome of... Uh, what happens in these midterm elections is going to be, maybe fairly profound on markets or will it be fairly muted? Do we make too much of it? No, I think it'll be muted. You know, the, the, the difference between the parties in America is domestic policy, foreign policy, it's ideology. It's not really economic. So I, I think there'll be very limited effect of the, on, on, on the markets and on the economy. Their economic policies, I mean, capitalism rules. I mean, there's no big ideology in the differences in, 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 in economic policy. And then just quickly on, on the Bitcoin, you know, thank goodness I don't own any, but it's very typical of a, of a boom and bust. You know, everyone jumps in when it's 60,000, when you see the ads on TV, when you go to a bright place or a dinner party and people say, oh, look at all the money I've made on Bitcoin and you, you get FOMO. And then you find a whole bunch of jump in at 63,000, you know, next stop 17,000 and who knows where the ultimate stop yeah. is going to be yeah you know okay. it's it's typical of in a bull market everyone's a genius eh? <laughs> everyone's a genius in a bull market <laughs> a good maxim to remember when you are feeling particularly clever um when just sticking with you there's a question that came through on twitter um shortly uh, or uh, a couple of minutes ago um and I've managed to delete it. Hang on. Sorry. It's, um, uh, there it is. Uh, given Wayne's view that equity returns for the next few years will be in single digits, so talking about uh, you know, previous yes. conversations we've had about the markets, and the fact that RSA bonds are yielding north of 11%, would it not make sense to invest 100% in risk-free bonds? Look, it's always 
I, I firmly, I, I never used to up until, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, I never believed much in diversification. I always thought, you know, you, you place your money and if you know what you're doing, you're going to make money. But diversification does work. So I don't like this idea of 100% of assets in anything. Mm. But on an investment merit, ignoring tax, and that is critical to remember that, I think that the bond returns will be far closer to equity returns over the next 10 years than what they've been over the previous 10 years. Because the previous 10-year equity returns were abnormally high in and, and that happened because of very abnormal circumstances that drove those returns. So equity returns are going to come back to normal. And normal levels is inflation plus five or inflation plus six. And that's what you're getting on on, on the long bond, because mm. inflation will fall. So the answer is, I, I think on, on a risk-adjusted basis, bonds might, in fact, even be a better investment. But, uh, you know, as I said earlier on, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. I mean, David, you, uh, we were discussing uh, this sort of off air, and actually we asked you for, for a financial mail, a reader um, question about utilizing the returns that you could get from bonds and, and using that to maybe feed that into equity markets. Mm. So you're sort of kind of hedging yourself both ways. I, I, well, not only feeding it, because I, I answered that on the assumption that the investor needed some kind of return here to pay you know, to pay costs, not necessarily to reinvest. In other words, to live off. And I said a nice split would be on the local market, have it in bonds, but look for your risk returns uh, or higher risk returns uh, in international markets where there are better opportunities. So there's a nice balance between. Of course, if you don't need the yields that you're going to get, you know, the yield, the actual interest, then you can use it as a feeder into other markets. But I'm with, with, with Wayne, and I've never said this before, but I think the returns now, if you're getting a blend of around about 11% on plus 10 years, you know, you can take three different bonds. You, you can't turn away from that. You know, you've got to recognize, can I get similar returns in the local market? But you've got to consider tax, and you've got to consider the, the vehicles that you're in. You know, all of this does count. Mm. Okay. Uh, I know last night on the show there were questions on Tinkela, but there's about five of them this evening. So if you don't mind, um, and if you, uh, I suppose you could switch off now and switch off back in a couple of minutes. But um, so this viewer says, okay, he said, well, he sent a, um, a Richards Bay coal price history uh, a chart on the the, the, the coal price. Um, he says the coal price is coming down, still way ahead of the same average for the same time last year. Now add in how the rand is depreciated, which should be a benefit to South African coal exporters. As a pure dividend outlook, it's crazy. I, I, I assume the viewer means it's crazy good. Uh, um, mm. um, who knows what happens to the price in the future? Uh, just look at what happened to the oil price and heaven forbid our friend Putin does something crazy. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm trying to divine the, the question here. Um, okay, Let, they paid 60 rand for the interim period uh, to June, which was the dividend. Let's say they pay only 30 rand as a final dividend um, uh, to the end of December period. 90 rand would put them on a 33% dividend yield. Is that correct? So, in other words, would you still buy it? And, and you can see that there is a bit of uncertainty because the shares price <clears> is coming <throat> off um, yes. fairly dramatically. Wayne, um, on the basis of the dividend yield, would you buy Tungela? Look, first of all, a comment about dividend yields on mining companies. They can disappear like the morning mist. <laughs> okay. 
Mm. You know, when you think of, I mean, a classic, exactly 180 degrees, but a classic example is that the dividend paid out by Kumba oh, last six months of the last year is a multiple of where the share price was in 2015, where there was zero dividends. So to base a, a, a dividend argument on a mining company is, is a very difficult one. Now, mining companies now, today, well, maybe not today, but six months ago, were the most cash flush they have ever been in recorded history mm. and paying out the biggest dividends ever recorded because their balance sheets were strong. They didn't spend the money on capital. They made huge profits and thank goodness they did because it saved the South African government and our fiscal position. But don't base an investment decision on a dividend yield that is at absolute, well, dividend payout more correctly, that is at absolute record historic highs. Mm. These things can disappear very, very quickly. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't buy Tungela on a dividend basis now. Okay. David, do you have a similar view? It's a tough call. Mm. You know, when I say it, it's, <laughs> we know that the coal price over the next year will be more or less where it has been in the 200s or near the 300s. We don't know what comes after that. You know, we don't know. It's so volatile that you can't forecast that um, where coal prices will be. So, yes. You might get that very good dividend for one year, or you might get a twenty percent. But you know, as Wayne says, it's it's highly it's it's so hard in these in this instant to look beyond that. You know, two, three, four, five years down the line. So you've got to play this carefully. At the moment, there is a wave of selling taking place that's taken the share down to two forty. Could go down to two forty, two twenty. When it settles, maybe reconsider it. You know, but don't be rushed. Don't rush. Okay. There's a selling is taking place at the moment. Let it run its course, and then you can decide. But you decide will get a good dividend yield. But, but what happens beyond year one yeah. is difficult to forecast. Okay, because there's another question, and I know Wayne. I mean, you were saying last week you don't think it's uh, the right time yet to buy commodities companies. But the question is, please ask David and Wayne which diversified miner they would choose for the long term. So they're talking about five plus years. BHP, Anglo or Glencore. And what would they recommend in order to gain exposure to renewable energy metals, preferably on the JSE? So maybe, so when it is the time that you would want to buy a mining company, um, Wayne, which of those would you pick? I'll go for, I'll, I'll go for Anglo-American. Um, they've got the absolute world's best platinum mine. They're diversified. They're not in oil. They got out of coal, as you know, with Tang Tangela. They're not... You haven't got any gold exposure. They've got a nice diversified portfolio, so I would buy Anglers. Okay. David, would, uh, would you pick uh, so the other options the viewer suggested were Glencore well, or BHP? You know, well, yeah. Well, Glencore's coal. You know, Glencore's energy. If you think energy prices are going to go up. And copper. And, uh, and copper, yeah. Well, more, yeah. But more coal is where they've been making the money and trading. And then you've got Billiton, which is iron ore, copper, and coal. So it, it's, it's, it's a toss-up between the two. I don't know which commodity is really going to dominate. At the moment, uh, analysts are going for Glencore. They feel it's the better one. Um, but, but I've got, you know, I would probably have maybe Bulletin and Angos or Bulletin and, and, and Glencore. But it's, it's not an easy pick. 
And then you've got South 32 with aluminium, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is also, it's been ignored. You know, it's, it's the off-cast from Billiton, yeah. and we've tended to ignore it. But some of the metals in, in, um, in uh, South 32 are pretty good. So mm -hmm. if you like aluminium, that's your play in South 32. I mean, because the second part of the question was, which, uh, what would they recommend in order to gain exposure to renewable energy metals, preferably on the JSE? So outside of those three... I mean, copper is the big one for, uh, I suppose. Um, yes. But are yeah. there any other mining firms on the JC that you might buy? Glencore's got a bit of cobalt, I think. Yeah, I don't think they've got sufficient. I think Look, for I wouldn't, supposed, hmm? I wouldn't be surprised if some, if some list in the next two or three years because that's the big growth. That's where our economy is going to grow, is putting up solar and wind. There's huge capital going to go into this. Yeah, but I mean, those are going to be the companies actually doing the installations. Yes. I mean, the, 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 the resources company supplying the metals for mm. these installations. That's, I think, the question. Okay. Well, if, if it's battery, it's lithium, nickel, cobalt, copper. I don't know. It's, 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 a, bit of a, it's, it's a bit of a difficult question at the moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, then we saw uh, what happened to Goldfields today. So... Uh, 6.30 p.m. last night, they pulled the bid for Yamana, having uh, received the news early in the day that Yamana's board recommended that their own shareholders vote against the Goldfields bid and go for uh, the joint offer from uh, Pan American and Agnico. Um, the question is, gold mining companies rally today. Is it a one-day thing or can we expect more? Um, I mean, Wayne, uh, gold, uh, that Goldfields rally was presumably entirely due to the deal the being back, off yeah. the table. But you did see Anglo Gold Correct. and Sabani actually doing quite well as well. So yeah. why would they be rallying? Uh, that was a bit of sympathy, I think. I don't think the gold price changed much. But I was having a look today. Now, I know it's, it, it was a very sad day for Shapiro when the JSE dropped the gold index. So you haven't got a gold index anymore. So I know Shapiro shed a tear there. I think. <laughs> but I was having yes, a look. An I was having a look. <laughs> yeah, I, I was having a look at um, gold companies' share prices against the all share. They had a great 1970s, but since the start of the 80s, they have been pounded on a relative basis, like 90% underperformance since 1980, and you've had two happy years. Since then, since 1980, you've had two happy years owning gold shares where they dramatically outperformed the all share. I mean, dramatically outperformed. Mm. And the one was um, sort of 2000 and the other one was with, with the COVID and everything. And I still think the gold shares are coming off that last major rally. I don't think they've hit bottom yet, so I would be cautious. Mm. But with gold, who knows? I mean, who knows? Um, David, just on uh, maybe on Goldfields itself, um, it's quite interesting to see the shares rally because it, it means that the shareholders really didn't like the offer. And I suppose they now expect to get the break fee, which may be paid as a dividend or Goldfields may retain it for another deal. But yeah. I mean, it you, does, yeah. Yeah, what does the rally say to you? Does it say that the deal was a bum one or that Goldfields, is, uh, they're going to be disciplined uh, or that we just expect to get a bit of cash back? I think, in a way, it's sad because I like Chris Griffith, and I say he's done well at uh, Kumba. He did very well at Angler Platts. He's a smart operator, and he he went for growth. It's exactly what Wayne is saying. Those gold shares that we knew, Anglo Gold, and you know, broken up. I mean, it's a conglomeration of 
various mines and gold fields and that, they had their heyday in the 70s and they're still trying to build uh, that critical mass that they need in order to be big businesses that can actually make good money. So this was his chance, you know, which has now slipped. And everybody criticized it mm. because there were no other suitors that he overpaid. Now the suitors come and uh, he's walked away he's had, and, and spending months on a deal like yeah. this. So I'm hoping that maybe, and when I say hoping, I'm sure that he's going to go and look for something else to expand and some other business. Yeah. But I, I'm with Wayne. I don't, you know, gold, gold shares, to, to, you can trade them from time to time, but be very, very careful. Yeah. They're not what they were back in the heyday. Mm. Okay. In their heydays, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now there's uh, two questions which seem to be more sort of conversational. Um, uh, and, and maybe, um, I, I'm not sure if we can, uh, anyway, well, let me ask them. Uh, so one is uh, from a viewer um, who talks about Sabanya Stillwater, and he says, this is probably part of Investing 101. However, if the panel can please explain the following investment structure in layman's terms as copied from a SENS update, and I think uh, it regards Sabanya Stillwater, um, mm -hmm. off-market derivative hedge over 1.28 million ordinary shares of the company with put strike prices of 43 Rand 21 and 19 Rand 39 and a call strike price of 43 21 which expires on the 3rd of November and expired already. Can you explain that? Or is this just too where, where, arcane? Uh, just, um, where was the put structure? We could, you know, we know the collar. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's, there's the put and then there's the call, but uh, where does it appear in the balance sheet? I'm not quite sure what shares they're talking about. You know, that, that, that Sabanya should have a, it over its own shares. That's, uh, I'm not quite sure. I don't know whether Wayne's got a feel for that, but, but I can understand them doing something like that over a metal. In other words, yes, they mine that's a often, lot of, they often you know, do that. Hmm. Uh, Look, I mean, a, a derivative structure like that's relatively simple. Let's say you have a share price of 100, you want protection on the downside. So you get a put at, at 80. So if it falls below 80, you get paid 80 rand. But to, but to fund that, you write a call at 120 that if the share price goes over 120, your gains is limited to 120 and you pay the excess away. So that's a very well-known structure in the, in the market. But how it relates to this and, and why Sabanya will go over its own shares like it sounds, I don't know anything about yeah. that. Yeah, the problem is the context is lacking, um, and I, I I didn't see the SEND statement, so apologies if we've just asked a question that has resulted in universal confusion, and maybe our guest can e just email me on, on my um, FM address, um, and I can try and help. Um, and then there's another viewer who, who's talking about Tongart. He says, I'm trying to understand the Tongart fraud. Was money actually lost or stolen, or was it more accounting manipulation? Of course, probably enhancing management bonuses. Yes, exactly. Uh, but that yes. would hardly cause such extreme losses. Uh, well, it seems that economic conditions, sugar prices and property demand and interest on the debt might have played a big part in the sad affair. So much for EBITDA because interest is a cost. And then he goes on to say, many years ago, the doyen of the JSE, Archie Shapiro, I don't know if that's your dad, um, David, commented that there is no fate worse than debt. <clears throat> my dad, I don't think he was clever enough to say that. 
He was a gold trader. (laughs) 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 I wouldn't attribute that to my dad, but I'm sure someone clever did say that. (laughs) How rude you are! How what a disrespectful young man! Um, But on the Tongat issue, um, you know, trying to understand the Tongat fraud, which I suppose possibly with a view to whether or not it comes back to the exchange if it manages to make it out of business rescue. Wayne? Yeah, it's a, look, it's a combination of accounting entries and actual money. The true problem is they continue to pump money into the property developments, developing or the whole of Umschlange region, all of that areas, which was enormously successful for them up until 2008 in the collapse of the property bubble. So they were enormously successful in that time period. But they carried on putting money into it. So there was actual money going in there. And then the accounting fraud was they valued these assets at nowhere close to what they could actually sell them for. Mm. And then, of course, everything snowballs after that because all of a sudden the banks won't lend you money. You get into cash flow difficulties. No one wants to trade with you. No one wants to give you credit. No one wants to do anything with, with you. And unfortunately, even though it's a cyclical business, this has brought down the sugar side of Tongot. And you try and survive, they have to sell off some very good assets. Because I mean, what assets do you sell when you're in trouble? Is you sell the one that people are going to buy from you, then other words, yeah. your good assets. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a classic story of you know, we'll fix it, we'll we'll just we'll just massage it this year, we'll sort it out in the new year. I mean, and then then, then it goes from year after year after year after year. The easiest thing to manipulate is stock. You know, how do you value a tree? You know, at what point? I'm, I'm, I'm just being theoretical at the moment. How do you value tree? How do you value sugarcane that's growing in the ground? You know, and how do you get a poor auditor like me to come along and say, go do an audit of the stock? And I go look at a, a, a you know, pile of sugarcane. I've got to value it. And so, um, and as Wayne says, you know, and it happens all the time where in private companies where, um, investors question the value of private businesses that are put there because they are on directors valuation. So a lot of manipulation can be take, can take place through uh, the value of unlisted investments or yeah. through stock. Mm. Ask Wayne, he's also an auditor. I used uh, to have to go to Tiger Oats. Tiger listen, Oats I've got and to, had a pile of peanuts and you had a value I've of got to, of peanuts. Yeah, I've <laughs> got to employ an accountant to do my tax and my books. That's how good I am at that. But anyway, besides that, besides that, yeah. you know, it might seem a bit archaic in the, in the age of tech and everything. But if you want to avoid things like this, just look for companies that generate cash, not just profits. They generate cash, i.e. you get a divvy. There's cash yeah. coming out because all of these companies where there's fraudulent schemes, there are a whole lot very low dividend, if any dividend. Mm. And of course, the other true thing is, what's their tax rate? Because you don't pay tax on, you don't pay tax on theoretical accounting, accounting, accounting jimmies in your books. You don't pay tax on that. So look at the tax rate and look at the actual real cash. Which was actually one of the... If you make 2 billion rand, if you make 2 billion rand profit, but your cash flow only shows 100 million coming in. Yeah. 
which is one of the red flags for Steinhoff. Uh, but very quick, okay, uh, and getting to your stock picks, but just before I get to them, maybe it'll pay, uh, tie into this topic. Um, a viewer says, could you kindly ask Wayne if we've passed the bottom and we should start buying stocks, big tech like NVIDIA or resources like Implats, or is cash still king? And you can tell us what you think and then give us your stock pick as well, Wayne. Yeah, I think we passed the worst. I really do. But I mean, I could very easily be wrong. Who knows what's going to happen with inflation on Thursday, whenever, and going into the future. But I think we are back. I'm going for Apple as my stock pick. But I've also gave NVIDIA a, a week or two ago as well. The only negative I see is that if things pan out as I envisage, and, you know, once again, stressing that I'm guessing on that because no one knows the future, the negative that will counter against you is the rand will strengthen under that environment. Yeah, okay. But the actual shares themselves, I think, show value, especially now Apple with the problems they're having in China with the manufacturing. We've seen some share price weakness, and this is a fantastic company, obviously. Yeah. David, how about you? I, I just looked at Disney. It's been such a disappointment. and uh, But they, they're mashing it. You know, they've wiped it 12% today. I mean, they're increasing subscriptions. And that's great. If you're selling something, you can always control the costs. So I'm not a, I, I don't think there's huge upside. They will control costs. It's got wonderful brands. But it, if it's trading under 90, I think it, you've at least got a 30% upside in the next year. Um, and we'll see where it goes from there. Hmm. So this is, this is more trading. But I must say that I've been very disappointed in share price performance and their control of costs, not the quality of the or, you know, of the theme parks and uh, of streaming and so on. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's a wild guess. You know, it's a wild guess in a, in a market where I haven't got any other ideas. <laughs> okay, well, so take it from whence it comes. <laughs> mm, the health warning attached. Um, yeah, yeah, with the health warning. <laughs> David Wayne, thank you very much for joining us this evening. As always, David Shapiro is from Sassman Securities. Wayne McCurry is from FNB Wealth and Investments. And Zanati is back with Stockwatch tomorrow. Same time, same place. Have a good evening. I'm <laughs> sorry.